0: Amen. Well, we've been talking about the love of God or how to love God. Spent a few weeks on that. Turn with me again to Mark chapter 12. This has been the text that I've been reading out of Oops. just kicked over a glass of water that's nothing, nothing big it's been the text we've been reading out of Mark chapter 12 verse 28 begin with verse 28 it says one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating noticed that Jesus had given them a good answer he asked them of all the commandments which is the most important the most important one answered Jesus is this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. From then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I was uh, in the process of putting together a sermon that would focus on just one of these areas and I was uh, you know meditating on it and I talked to some folks about it and you know discussed it a bit and and then I sat down to actually write it and I went a completely different direction God took me in a completely different direction not not completely in, as it you know different verses and so on and so forth but I was going to focus on loving God with your mind but as I began to study it out we, I can't go there till we do the other things he, he talks about so we're going to do. Actually, we're going to over the next few weeks. We're going to go through the, these verses, and we're going to go through them uh, topic by topic. And it says that the you know he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So there's four areas that he talks about it. So apparently they have something different to teach us in in each area. So we're going to actually, uh, I'm going to define what those four are just to give us a good foundation. And we'll keep defi- redefining them each week, but then we'll focus on one at a time. Heart, the Greek word for heart, is "cardia." Sounds, sounds familiar, doesn't it? Cardia. Um, the definition in the, uh, the Bible dictionary, the, the concordance, says the, it is the organ in the animal body and the people body which is the center of the circulation of the blood, and hence has, has or was regarded as the seat of physical life. It also be, denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. The vigor, the sense of physical life, the center and the seat of spiritual life, the soul or mind as it is the fountain, and the seat of the thoughts, the passions, the desires, the appetites, the affections, the purposes, and the endeavors. So it's the center of everything that you want, everything that you are. It is the center, and that's the, the most important part to take away from this is, the heart, loving God with all of our heart, has to do with having Him and having the things that He's, in, he's excited about, he's, He thinks is important, the center of our life okay the next one is the mind that word is synesis i think oh i'm sorry soul forget it i just jumped ahead too far soul is psyche heard that one before too see it's, isn't it good to have learned greek in school it would be good wouldn't it it is the soul the seat of the feelings desires affections and aversions our heart or our soul. The, the human soul is so far, this is a very interesting, we're going to go into this in depth when we talk about the soul. The human soul, insofar as it is constituted by the right use of the aids offered it by God, it can attain its highest end and secure eternal blessedness. The soul regarded as the moral being designed for everlasting life. Now, that's a whole lot of words, a whole lot of bigger words, all conglommed into it. We're going to take that apart uh, next week. But it, just to read it again, the soul, insofar as it is constituted that by the right use of the aids offered it by God, it can attain its highest end and secure eternal blessedness. The soul regarded as a moral being designed for everlasting life. And then soul as an essence which dif- differs from the body and is not dissolved by death. It's distinguished from other parts of the body. So the soul, we are a, a uh, I believe, we are a three-part being. We're a body, we're a soul, which, it, which makes up all of these characteristics of, of thinking and thought and, and affection and all of these, the, it's, it's who we really are. When you get to know somebody, you, you can look at him and say, okay, that's Brian Honerbrink. I've seen him before, you know, and you recognize him across the room. But until you get to know him, who isn't just this body, there's a lot more to him, there's a lot more essence there in his life. When you get to know that person deeper, their affections, their heart, their desires, their, the way they think, and all of those things, that's who they really are. You know, you've heard, you've heard a, uh, the saying, "Don't judge a book by its cover." You, know, you can look at somebody and go and just you know, make a snap judgment. well, this is the way they are. but you can't do that unless you get to know them. And that's what the soul is. You're getting to know the soul. And the other third part, I believe, is the spirit, which is made, which is the life of God. The, it's made in the image of God, the, the spirit of God lives within us. And that's a third part, uh, and that's for another sermon or another series all right but the soul the third area is the mind love the Lord you guy, with all your heart with all your soul and with all of your mind this is the one I wanted to you know that was on my heart to talk about but the Lord switched me up a bit the mind this is really interesting too. this this definition a running together a flowing together with knowledge understanding A running together. So it isn't just about knowing something. It's not just about understanding something, but it's about actually flowing with that understanding, acting upon that knowledge. So when it talks about uh, the mind, our mind, you know, and that makes sense because our mind doesn't just know stuff. I mean, you can know that you're hungry. But knowledge is knowing there's chili in the kitchen. <laughs> and I can do something about it, and I act upon that knowledge to feed myself. You know, it'd be really, you know, pathetic to sit here and go, I'm hungry. Boy, am I hungry. You know, teenagers are kind of like that. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Boy, I'm, not, not you guys. I'm not just talking about other teenagers I've met before. I'm hungry. Boy, I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. Gee, I wish somebody would feed me. Well, the knowledge would be there's food in the kitchen. Act upon it. Do what you know to do. do go, go and do, you know, fulfill that need in your life. Parents are going, yeah, no kidding. Hello, what's in the kitchen? All right. Now that I've gotten everybody in trouble. And the last one is strength. And I don't know how to say that word. Maybe somebody does. It looks like it's just, it's just. But it means ability Force, strength, and might. It is the, it's that ability. It's, that, it's, the, it's the strength that we have to accomplish what we know. So we'll talk about that too, but just to give you that background. So, beginning with the heart. Loving God with the center of your being, the heart. Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Paul was speaking... And he was talking about the unknown god in Athens, right? Somebody help me. I'm just shooting from the hip here. From he was in Athens. He's looking around at Mars Hill, at all of the uh, the idols, all of the the uh, stations, all the things to worship around there, uh, Zeus and and uh, and uh, uh, you know all the rest. Yeah, just go ahead and fill in the blanks. A bunch of he's looking around, and it says he was disturbed. He it, it had bothered him. Because they, they had a desire to worship something higher than themselves, but they, they were worshiping a bunch of false gods. And he was trying to figure out a way to relate to these people. And so he's looking around and he's, he's looking at all these idols and all these gods and so on. And he, all of a sudden he finds one called the unknown god. And, and because the, the, the Athenians were really concerned that because they they, it was all about worshiping all the right gods, that they might have forgot about one. Or there might be one that they didn't recognize or they didn't know about. And so they were looking around and, they, and he says, wait a second, he says, he says, I see you have an idol over here or a, a station of worship over here uh, to the unknown God. Let me tell you about the unknown God. The one true God. And he says, and this is what he says to them about the unknown God. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times and histories, in history, and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out to Him and find Him, though He is not far from any of us, any one of us. For in Him we live and move and have our very being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. We exist because of Him. God created us. We exist. We we have our very being because of God. He looked down at the earth. He looked at His surroundings. He looked at His existence. And He says, I want to have a relationship with somebody who can love me back. I want to to relate to somebody. I I want to experience that relationship, that love, that can only happen when there's somebody else. You know, he even said that about man. He says, it's not good that man is alone. Why? Because he understood that that we are not full in and of ourselves. There has to be a relationship that we can share with another human being that when we share that relationship, we're completed more. You know, and there's the marriage relationship, but there's also this relationship with other people. There's, You know, I'm not complete without you. You know, I, I, when, I, when I was growing up, when I was in junior high, we, they had the, the whole section in the, in the school where, you know, the, the part of the, the learning and social studies where you were supposed to pick four different things that you wanted, you know, you could possibly be in your life. You had to research what they were. You know, I, I wanted, at one point, I wanted to be a teacher, so one of them was teacher. You know, another one, I can't remember what the other two were. But the last one, I'm trying to think of, I was supposed to pick four, and I couldn't think of what the fourth one would be. So I'm just kind of sitting there thinking, I'll, I'll be smart. And I put down hermit. That was my fourth topic, hermit. So I had to research what a life of a hermit was like. I got credit for it, you know? I mean, it worked. But we're not meant to be hermits, we're not meant to be somebody who's often them by themselves and just sitting there you know, and just, you know, thinking about ourselves and supplying our need. And, you know, but we, sometimes we want to be a lot easier if I didn't have to worry about everybody else. But as a human being, we'll, we're not made to be by ourselves. We're made to be in relationship. And God has, has created us um, so that he could have relationship with us. All right? You can't, be a, you can't be a hermit without everybody else. That's a very interesting statement. You have to be separate from everybody else to be a hermit. Yeah, I can get that.
1: So there's already a
0: relationship which throws away the whole idea. That's a deep thought. I'm going to have to work on that one for a while. He created us not only to be with him, but to be in him. To have our center in him. When we chase after anything else and make it the center of our lives, he is jealous. Most of human existence is that, though. Much of human existence is that. It's the chasing after and making, trying to find something that can be the center of our life that'll give us meaning, that'll give us purpose, that'll cause us to have a, a, a fullness. Some people even do it so that they don't have to have God. They fill themselves with money. They fill themselves with pleasure. They fill themselves with things. That is the center. That's the purpose. They do everything. And in the end, they're still empty. Even though they're, they've, they have filled. He desires, and rightly so, to be the center of our lives. We are his offspring. Parents want to be with their children. Not all the time, but... Just, you know, for those of you who are empty nesters, after the kids have been gone for a while, you kind of want to see them again, don't you? I was going to say, I would really hope, I know my dad wants me to be around. There, I don't care about the rest of you. Tough crowd this morning. Gracious, good night. In a perfect world, Okay, I'll just keep going. Never mind. I'm <clears throat> not going to win that point, apparently. I'll speak to God. I know you want us around, God. Colossians 1.16 says this. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him And for him. Through him and for him. You were created for him. That's an interesting thought, is it? You ever thought that before? Yeah, you were created by him. You were even created in him. But the reason you were created was for him. That changes everything, doesn't it? Anybody ever say, I don't know why I'm even here. I don't know why I was born. I wished I wasn't even born. Well, see, really it isn't your choice, obviously, physically. But bottom line, you weren't created for you. You were created for him. And when you live for him, then you're fulfilled. Fulfilled. When you live in Him and He is the center of your life, that's where life happens. When you live with something else in the center of your life, no matter what it is, it can even be a spouse, it could even be a job, it can be all these other things that we try to put as the center of our life to give us meaning, but until He's the center of our meaning, we won't have life. Because you weren't created to just have a wife or a spouse. You weren't created just to have a job. You weren't created to to just have pleasure. You weren't created for all of those other reasons that the world tries to tell you is why you were created. You were created for him. And when you actually allow that to happen, then life really begins. Real life. Life to the fullest. Life and life more abundantly. All our thoughts. All our passions. All of our desires. Our appetites. Our affections. Our purposes and our endeavors. (coughs) Everything needs to be focused on Him. The, The reason we do everything. Literally, the reason you do everything should be Him. Let me say that again, because I want it to sink down deep. Everything. Everybody everybody say everything. everything. Everything we are. Everything that we do. Everything that how we live is about Him. Because our life is for Him. Now, I do want to make one clarification. That doesn't mean I don't believe. I personally don't believe. That that doesn't mean then, okay, well then I have to I have to cloister myself away and every thought of every moment of every day for the rest of my life is God. Jesus. The Bible. All the Sunday school answers that we give. Because if we just cloister ourselves away, and you know, there are people that do do that. And, that's, and they spend, they, they wake up in the morning and immediately they just, you know, they live in convents, they live in monasteries, they live in, they, they, they cloister themselves away and they dedicate themselves, God, you are the only thing that's in my life. You are the only, you, you are the only thing that matters. I will not do anything else. I will not have any physical uh, desires, physical needs. I will not even speak. I will not, you know, they put themselves, you know, they, they, disip, they take the disciplines to a level where everything else is gone. They have nothing else that exists, and it's just God, me and God, me and God, me and God. And that, that has, it has brought some merit, but for 99.9% of the world, that's not life. We have to live. We have to, we, 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 we are called to be what he's called us to be. So it isn't that, oh great, okay, now, so Pastor John said on Sunday morning that everything has to be about God. (sighs) Okay, I can't get up tomorrow without putting on my God t-shirt and getting in my car with a God bumper sticker. I'm not, not making fun of that per se. That everything, you know, every conversation has to begin with, God loves you, and God wants me to answer this way. No, it's a little bit broader than that but he does have he does want to be a part of every part of every area of our lives why do you do the things that you do in your life why do you do the things that you do in your life let's just look at a few of them here why do you go to work in the morning why do you go into work in the morning Now if the first answer that comes to your mind is, if I don't, I will starve. (laughs) I will not make any money, the bills will not get paid, I will live outdoors and I won't eat. That may be true, but how many of you would agree with me that that answer isn't fulfilling? If the only reason I go to work is to pay the bills and to buy food, that is a pretty narrow life. It's pretty shallow. It's not rewarding. That's not why I get up. There has to be a, a deeper reason why we do the things that we do. For example, why do you go to work in the morning? Why did you choose the profession you are in? And why do you still work there after all these years? Is it because it was the only job available the day you went out to apply for a job? Is it you've gotten into a rut and that's I don't really want to expand and do anything different? Or I really, really love my job and I just love my job so much I couldn't think of doing anything else. Even if God asked me to do something else. I love my job. My job is so important to me, I, don't, I couldn't imagine. Because that can even be the wrong answer. What if God wanted you to do something else? I had a woman come to me years ago, and that we had just gone through a seminar. We had, had, a, had a minister come into Abundant Life Church and was doing a, a, a seminar on goals and, and God's purpose for your life and things like that she was very successful in what she did. She was making good money. She was rising up in the ranks of her, of her profession. She was well-liked by her peers. She, she, you know, but there was something nagging at her that she wasn't fulfilled. There was something that just wasn't right. And afterwards, she came to me and said, do you think God would really want me to change my whole profession At this time in my life, and I said, well, I can't give you that answer, but the possibility is yes. I can't give you the yes or no, you should or you shouldn't, but I think it's absolutely possible that at any time God could say, now I'm going to have you take a left turn. She took that information, went home, prayed about it for a number of weeks, came back to me and said, I made a decision, I'm going back to school. I'm going to go back to school, and I'm going to be something completely different. God blessed her on the way. She is now something completely different. And she is fulfilled because she knew, she knew that God actually gave her the desire of her heart. It was something that she had always wanted to do, but she had to get a job when she had to get a job, so she got into it, started working it, and then life got busy, and you, know, you can't really quit a job because you've got to eat and pay for the bills. And, but it was the wrong reason to be doing it. She sought God. He led her in a way. He provided along the way. He blessed along the way. And she now is doing what God's put in her heart, and she's happy. She's fulfilled. So it was the only job that was available. I could make more money than, you know, you're doing this job because it's more money than being a whatever. Or are you get, do you get up every morning to go to work, And did you choose the profession you're in and you're still working there after all these years because God led you to do it? Next area, teenagers, young people. Why do you go to school each day? What's your main motivation? Because mom and dad kick me out of the house, that's why. Yes, I've seen lots of heads nodding yes. Yes. Or, why do you go to school every day? Because of my friends. Hmm. Do I go to school because I have to? I don't have a choice. The law dictates till I'm 16, I have to go to school. Oh, 18. No, I think the law is 16, isn't it? 16? 16, yeah, so I thought. That's not supposed to be public information. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're all about truth here. You know, whether in truth hurts sometimes. Or, to grow in wisdom and understanding so that you can serve God better. Because if it's just because you have to, you will have a choice when you turn 24. Sixteen. If it's just because of your friends, do you want to hear a really, really sad statistic? Of all the friends I had in high school, I keep track of one. Because friends are great, but friends aren't always there. If it's because mom and dad make you, as soon as mom and dad don't make you, are you going to stop? Or is there a higher purpose? Is there a higher meaning? Is it because God's the center of your life and you know that He has called you to do certain things, to grow in wisdom and understanding and such, statu- and so you apply yourself with all of your heart, with all of your mind, whether or not your mom and dad make you do it, whether or not the government makes you do it, you do it because you want to honor God with all of your life and as you apply yourself to it, He'll put His hand of blessing on your life and as He, he puts His hand of blessing on your life, you will prosper in everything that you do that's a much higher purpose that's a much higher reason and that will bring fullness and hope and life third question why do you live in the neighborhood you live in it's what you could afford at the time because it was the nicest neighborhood in the town at that time Because it was the house next to mom and dad's and they helped you buy it? Or because God directed you and provided for you to to buy it? Because he wants you to live next to this family or that family or he wants you to influence the community that you're in? What if he asked you to just up and move and do something completely different? Would you do it? (laughs) <laughs> that was my wife who just gave, yes, of course I would. She wants to downsize. Do I look like a person who can downsize? <laughs> Anybody here who was ever in the first house we ever bought? Yeah. The first house we ever bought was, it was 15 feet wide by 22 feet long. Claustrophobic, too downsized. Where was I? Oh, I was had an example here. When I was in Great Britain, there was, maybe you guys could help me with the name, there was a project where they were encouraging people to move out of their, their neighborhoods where they were living and to move into uh, under-advantaged neighborhoods. Was it called the Genesis Project or the Exodus Project or something like that? But we ran, we ran into these people all over when we, when we were there in 2007, and got to speak to someone. They said, We said, they, they told us we're part of this project. And we said, Well, what is that? And they said, Well, just we feel God is telling us to move out of our affluent areas and move into these underdeveloped areas, these, these needy neighborhoods, and to be salt and light for God. And so they would move out of their really nice houses and they would buy a house in this ghetto, basically and they were living there being salt and light for God. Would you do that? If God told you to sell your house this week and move to the east side? If he told you to leave from the east side? See, it's always dangerous giving examples. It really is always dangerous. Fourth question, why do you have the hobbies that you have? Do you know that your hobby can be God-centered no matter what it is? We talked about that a few weeks ago. Dang right. Motorcycles, fishing, kilts. (laughs) Who said that? Oh, thank you, John. That was John. God-centered kilt-wearing. Why do you do anything that you do? Why do you do anything that you do? Is it because it just happens? Or is it because, well, I just happened upon it? Or is it whatever you do, you make God the center of your life in that area? Now, I'm not saying, you, you know, that Every t-shirt you own has to say, you know, that while you're riding your motorcycle, Jesus saves? That you get only Christian tattoos? I just had to say that, I'm sorry. Or is it you make Christ the center of your life and he will bring you into, and while you're doing that hobby, whatever it is, he'll bring people across your path that you wouldn't normally meet if you weren't doing that whether it be golf or fishing or or whatever you do. Remember, he's talking about passions, desires, thoughts, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. Loving God with all of your heart. Everything that you do. You know, we're going to have a chili feed here in just a few minutes. Do you know that the chili feed has God at the heart of it? Not just because we're doing it at church, but it's because God loves fellowship. Do you know that God loves a good party? He does. The feasts, all the feasts of the Lord that the Israelites were supposed to celebrate every year, were great big parties. They got together and they had God at the center of their party, and, they, and through it they worshipped him. Now, we're not going to sacrifice anything this morning unless somebody brought some burnt chili. But God's at the center of this time. By putting God at the center of everything, when when you're about to do something, whatever it is, check in with God and say, God, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? how how, How can I enjoy this with you more? By putting you at the center of this. no matter what you do, when you buy a house, when you buy a car. It isn't about, oh, God, show me which car that is the best car, best mileage, best, help me. No, it's just saying, God, I'm going to buy a car. If you have anything to say? If you want to lead me in any certain way, if it's going to help, just show me what to do. I'll, but I, here, I'm going I'm to embark on this. I'm going to take on this task, and I'm going to do it. But, Lord, I just want to acknowledge you that you know, you, I want you in the middle of this, especially when you get married. Oh God, (laughs) be in the middle of this, oh God, merciful, loving God. Having children, oh God, (gasps) help me, be in the middle of this. Anything, whatever it is, hobbies, school, you know, we joke about school prayer, but I've done tests where I was like, oh Lord, I need you in the middle of this test, And he's there we acknowledge him with everything that we do and then we use the the abilities that we have we enjoy the things that we do but acknowledging him loving your god with all of your heart with all of your passions with everything that you are each of these and all the rest of the categories of our lives can can have at the center god he wants, us to be the, he wants to be the center of our thoughts, our passions, our desires, our appetites, our affections, purposes, and endeavors. And when he begins to lead us down a path, even if it seems strange or terrifying, we can put our trust in him and allow him to do it. And in allowing him there, we show him our love. We love him. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Next week, we're going to talk about Loving the Lord your God with all of your soul. You don't need to stand. I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to turn this over to John. Is that who I'm going to turn it over? Jen. Come on up and grab a microphone. Let's pray for real quick here while she's coming up. Father, thank you so much for opening the eyes of our understanding, helping us to to understand how to love you more. Lord, we know and have a desire to love you more. But Lord, we know that it takes wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Thank you for opening those things up to us in your word for your sake in Jesus name. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to Jen. She's going to give you a few instructions and then we're